Right Reverend Abbott Hayes, members of the Board of Governors, Reverend Fathers, faculty, and students, especially the incoming freshmen, the class of 2015. In a speech at the National Catholic Bioethics Center in 1991, Pope Benedict XVI, who was then, of course, Cardinal Ratzinger, said, quote, in the contemporary discussion on what constitutes the essence of morality and how it can be recognized, the question of conscience has become paramount, especially in the field of Catholic moral theology. This discussion centers on the concepts of freedom and norm, or in other words, on the apparent conflict between self-determination and external determination by authority. Morality of conscience and morality of authority as two opposing models appear to be locked in struggle with each other. Pope Benedict continued, those who oppose the authority of the church often say, quote, that the freedom of the Christian would be rescued by appeal to the classical principle of moral tradition, namely that conscience is the highest norm that man is to follow, even in opposition to authority. Authority, in this case the magisterium, may well speak of matters moral, they say, but only in the sense of presenting conscience with material for its own deliberation. Conscience would retain, however, the final word." Unquote. In defense of this resistance to the authority of the church, Pope Benedict continued, some authors claim that conscience is infallible. In a series of seminars earlier this summer, Writings on the theme of conscience by three great figures from the Catholic intellectual tradition were discussed. The first of those writers, St. Thomas More, was at the center of precisely this conflict. In his case, of course, in the 16th century, faced as he was with King Henry VIII's challenge in the name of freedom and self-determination, to the authority of the Pope and the teachings of the Roman Catholic Church. Thomas More did not believe in the infallibility of conscience, simply speaking, but in the authority of a well-formed conscience, a conscience guided by the teaching authority of the Catholic Church. Quote, for the seven years that I have studied the matter, he said, I have not read in any approved doctor of the church that a temporal lord could or ought to be head of the spirituality." Unquote. When challenged at his trial by Lord Chancellor Audley, quote, what more, you wish to be considered wiser and of better conscience than all the bishops and nobles of the realm? 
St. Thomas More answered, My Lord, for one bishop of your opinion, I have a hundred saints of mine. And for one parliament of yours, I have all the general councils for 1,000 years." Unquote. The second of those writers that we discussed this summer, our own patron, St. Thomas Aquinas, reminds us that conscience is not infallible, but can be false or erroneous, and makes the point that only, quote, a correct conscience binds absolutely and intrinsically while a false conscience binds only in a qualified way and for an extrinsic reason. Moreover, one who follows a false conscience, which is mistaken in things which are intrinsically evil, quote, acts against the law of God and sins mortally. For every man, St. Thomas says, is bound to know the law of God. The third of those writers, Blessed John Henry Newman, also recognized that, quote, the promptings of conscience are not in all cases correct, unquote, and that the image of God found in conscience could, quote, fade away and die out in men who transgress their sense of duty and so gradually lose those sentiments of shame and fear, unquote. The image of God which men form based on the experience of conscience, Cardinal Newman continued, quote, may expand, deepen, and be completed by means of education, social intercourse, experience, and literature, unquote. Encouraged by this observation from Cardinal Newman, let me suggest a few ways in which Catholic liberal education as understood and practiced here at Thomas Aquinas College, contributes to the formation of a correct and well-formed conscience, a conscience guided by the law of God and the authority of the Catholic Church. First is the fact that we who are responsible for the college and you who attend the college rely on divine revelation and on the authority of the church to guide us in deciding who should teach and what should be taught. In the words of the college's founding and governing document, a proposal for the fulfillment of Catholic liberal education, quote, divine revelation not only communicates the truth, but also designates teachers to clarify, define, and explain it. Thus our Lord told his apostles, quote, anyone who listens to you listens to me, and commissioned them to teach, promising to remain with them forever. On this account, the believer embraces at once Christ as the supreme teacher and the successors of St. Peter and the apostles as altogether truthful and divinely appointed interpreters of his teaching." Unquote. Having accepted as a matter of faith the teaching authority of the successors of Peter and the apostles, the founders of Thomas Aquinas College quickly came to accept the primacy of St. Thomas Aquinas 
among the teachers in our program because of the consistent encouragement of the popes from the time of St. Thomas up to and including our own time. To take but a few examples, Pope Leo XIII in his encyclical Eterni Patris, written in 1879, said that St. Thomas's theology was a definitive exposition of the Christian faith. Blessed John Paul II, in his encyclical Fides et Ratio, wrote that, quote, the church has been justified in consistently proposing St. Thomas as a master of thought and a model of the right way to do theology. And Pope Benedict XVI recently completed a three-part catechesis on St. Thomas's work in which he said, quote, all of us who are faithful children of the church can and must, at least in some measure, be disciples of St. Thomas." St. Thomas is a reliable guide to what should be taught and in what order, knowing as he does the proper order of the philosophical disciplines, from logic to natural philosophy, to moral and political philosophy, to metaphysics. Knowing the proper order to the science of theology itself, the proper relationship between philosophy and theology, and the proper relationship among all the disciplines included in a liberal education, disciplines which one of his confreres, Hugh of St. Victor, called ways by which the lively soul enters into the secrets of philosophy. Thomas Aquinas College's very structure then is determined by the teaching authority of the church and your decision to attend the college speaks well of your disposition to that authority and your willingness to be guided by that authority in the important decisions of life. Individual courses within the curriculum also bear out Newman's point about the importance of education and literature in the formation of conscience. The study of Aristotle's Nicomachean ethics in the junior year, for example, helps you understand what it is to be virtuous, the order among the virtues, and the essential connection between the life of virtue and human happiness. The study of theology, beginning as it does with the study of sacred scripture and culminating with the study of the Trinity and the Incarnation, deepens your knowledge and love of God, strengthens your personal relationship with our Savior, Jesus Christ, and makes you more disposed to obey the natural and divine laws. As well, many works of literature some by exemplifying tortured consciences. One is only to think of Oedipus, for example, or Macbeth, or Ivan Karamazov, are conducive to the formation of a proper conscience. More examples from our curriculum could be given, but I would like to return now to the contemporary problem of conscience described by Pope Benedict the apparent conflict between the freedom of conscience on the one hand and submission to the authority of the church 
on the other. This problem is not remote from higher education. On the contrary, it has defined Catholic higher education for the past 50 years. Many Catholic colleges and universities have compromised their Catholic identity, believing that Catholic educators should not be bound to any fixed conceptions, but free to subject every doctrine to critical examination and possible rejection. Too often, this view has led to actual rejection. It is no accident that the founding document of Thomas Aquinas College discusses freedom and Catholic education at some length. The founders of the college recognized that many Catholic educators consider religious doctrine to be a restriction on academic freedom, convinced that the acceptance of religious doctrine not only inhibits, but even destroys the life of intelligence. Moreover, most educators believe that academic freedom is required for the acquisition of truth. To quote the college's founding document, more truths will be discovered and more surely held, it is said, if all beliefs are subject to question and possible reversal. In the section of the founding document on freedom and Catholic education, the founders of Thomas Aquinas College addressed the contemporary problem of freedom and authority as it pertains to higher education this way. Quote, the Christian faith and the theological tradition of the church present a view of freedom which is altogether opposed to the foregoing notions. Rather than supposing that men can attain the truth by the exercise of freedom, they teach that men become free precisely by finding or being found by the truth and abiding in it. For the Christian believes that Christ himself is the truth and believes him when he says, if you make my words your home, you will indeed be my disciples. You will learn the truth and the truth will make you free. The founding document goes on to say that, quote, true freedom consists in the inward rebirth and transformation of ourselves by the grace of God. Liberal education helps us achieve freedom specifically through knowledge, knowledge of the true principles of thought and action. All of this being said, my advice to you then is this. Submit your consciences in all things to the authority of the church, as urged by St. Thomas More, St. Thomas Aquinas, and Blessed John Henry Newman. As members of this community, submit your consciences in the specific ways in which the college proposes to its teachers, principally the authors of sacred scripture, St. Thomas, St. Augustine, and Aristotle, to the order and contents of its curriculum, to its spiritual life, and to its rules of residence. If you do, 
you will grow in wisdom and knowledge of the truth. And true freedom will more and more be yours. Thank you very much.